0: Hello, this is Amelia Lopez, and uh, welcome to 11 o'clock comics. They
1: <laughs> <laughs> he go the,
2: blew the
3: roof off that sucker, didn't? I'm close yeah. Up. Oh, it's good. You know, so I was that close to the mic. I just turned my head so the mic like right there, like, you know, like a big fucking dick in my cheek. Wow, getting all
2: raw right off the bat. Whoa, working blue? <laughs> Seriously?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's he's too smart to work blue. <laughs> That's fun. Cool. My balls. Ah. You better get all lively, Mister Price. It's
3: not lively. Everything's same here. See, Damn, that did it. We haven't started.
2: That did oh, it right man. there.
0: It's all so what do you, you get, Renee, to, to to um pay pay it forward for the for the Apple Watch?
3: Oh, uh, man, um,
0: because I'm sure you the, thought about that all day today.
3: Oh, <laughs> sick man. The past two days. I'm like, all I'm all like, right?
0: wait, some quiet today. Oh, that's right. Cause he's thinking about what he's going to do to 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 even it up with Renee. <laughs>
3: yeah. We, it's our anniversary tomorrow, so I'm trying to figure out if um, where she feels like going for dinner, but
2: uh, Take her to Olive Garden.
3: The, um, I was thinking about that, right? Because this way, you know, salad, unlimited breadstick, <laughs> uh, call Mario up, we'll hang out. Because it really made the, the Google Home I gave her a little inconsequential, but uh, I I also gave her a Pandora bracelet and a charm, which had a Glass Charm, and she is not a fan of a Glass Charm. So we're probably going to take a ride to Danbury tomorrow, so I can make some exchanges at the uh, Pandora shop. But it's, yeah, no, I, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to um, how I'm going to even even things up.
0: Well, you also gave her the high hard one, which is worth something.
3: <laughs> Free drink I at mean... Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness.
2: Oh. Well, you know what? On that note. Hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 514. Where'd you go? I don't hear anybody. Um, I'm here. No, you both blanked out. Why are we going to step all over your intro? You both blanked out. We were quiet. Don't be quiet. And I am Vince P.
3: Yes, yes, you are Vince Bable. Try not to be too quiet. I am David A. Price.
2: My favorite Jew. Wow. Well, he said that last
0: week. That's true. And uh, I am then, I must be your your favorite ninja because I am Tommy (laughs) Arishikaze.
2: I like the way you say it. Say it again. Arishikage. I like that. No, you're not. You're not Tommy. Um you are Jason. I'm not even gonna try it because I ruin it every time. You are Jason Wood in the house. Wow, are you reading some G.I. Joe?
1: You
0: know? Um no. No, but I, I do have I do have some G.I. Joe to discuss this this week.
2: Wow. I'm interested. I, my mm-hmm. curiosity is leveled up. You're Jason right. Wood, everybody's in the house for this first of two episodes y'all are gonna get this week see how we do we love you so much right we're here here for you not once but twice
0: thrice actually although as they're listening to this they will already have either participated or missed out on the third right because we're doing a video chat tonight as well
2: so you have the option of twice or thrice but you know who's there for you all the time (laughs) yes whenever you want them discount comic book service dcbservice.com are there for you 24 7 well 24 7 that's all the time right 24 hours a day seven days a week you can get your books get them cheap and get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of the retail price now pay attention because this is the very last time you're going to hear these spotlight specials from image dap say it
3: from image no, say, where's the beef? Oh, that's that thing from Shakey Kane, right? Exactly.
2: Mm. Shakey Kane on the art Shakey with uh, John Rochelle, written by Richard Starkings, he of Elephant Men, and uh, Tyler Line. It is the beef, number one of five. And you, because you're super smart and kind of cute, you can bring it home for $1.99. cents. From black mask i'm gonna be sad not to have to say this every episode black mask are imploring you to come into me number one uh written by zach thompson and lonnie nadler art by peter kowalski it is a it looks like it's an ongoing uh it's being compared to the fly and the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind cover price 3.99 but oh, you laugh at that because you know where to go dcbservice.com has it for $2.19 that's 45% off for those of you who like to do the math and last but not least please pay attention if you have already done your order you can edit it and add this to it if you haven't done your order by all means make sure this is on it from who Aftershock it is Jimmy's Bastards trade paperback volume 1 written by Garth Ennis a newcomer to the world of comics and drawn by the amazing Russell Braun now the cover price on this is 14.99 that's not bad it's okay it's in the zone but once again because you are uber intelligent you are only going to pay $8.24 at Discount Comic Book Service. DCB, as in boy. Or, in this case, as in bastards, right? As in Jimmy's bastards. DCB. Nice. Yeah, com. Run with your little digital fingers. Bah, 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 and get there. Because you'll be surprised how much you can save.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm done. Nice. dunsky. So how are we all doing? I know. Uh, I know for everybody. Happy holidays! We're wrapping up. We're, mm-hmm. This is the this is the post Christmas window, and and a few days from now we will have, of course, New Year's Eve uh, and the New Year's, and it'll be it'll be off to the 2018 races. The
2: eleven o'clockers, not
0: long after. Yes, that is true. In fact, we haven't set an official date for when we'll record our annual awards ep, but. We did bump the post on the Facebook group yet again. But for those of you who don't participate in the Facebook group, first of all, shame on you. Join, join in. It's fun. But second of all, if you are listening at home and would like to participate in the voting, uh, two things. One, A, we would love to have you. In fact, I'm going to throw it on the gauntlet. I want us to have 500 or more votes by the time we decide to record the episode. So all you people out there. Heed us, take a moment, show your love to the books that you read this year. And the best way to do that is go to uh, tinyurl.com backslash 11 o'clock comics. There's a much longer URL that you can get to from our website, but uh, if you just want a short one that you can remember while you're listening, it's tinyurl.com slash 11 o'clock comics. It'll take you right to the online Google ballot. You can... You don't have to answer everything. I think some people get confused about that. There are, I think, thirty or so questions categories. You can answer one, you can answer five, you can answer all thirty. It doesn't matter. You don't it's it's does not you do not have to answer them all to participate. And it will also save your progress if you give a valid email address when you go to vote. Anytime you want to go back before we tally the final votes, you can log in with that email address and it will pull up your existing ballot so you can add to it or change it or what have you. So uh, no better time than the present because uh, we've only got, you know, no more than, let's say, three weeks tops to get your uh, votes tallied and in.
2: Nice. If you read between the lines, longtime listeners know that Jason does the heavy lifting for the 11 o'clock In, jam. in terms like of tallying the votes and splitting up the categories and in aggregate and all that stuff. Um but what he's asking you right now is is not to really vote for your favorite books. He's really asking you to give him more work. So if you want to see Jason overloaded with work,
3: please vote for your favorite books.
0: It's a labor of love. I know. He loves it's not, the numbers. It, it's,
3: that's what I'm saying. See, it's not it's not work. It I know for Vince it would be torture of, of the yes. the nth degree, but Jason loves his spreadsheets. And if you can give him anything that he could then enter into a spreadsheet and then compute and, and spit out everything Mm -hmm. we need to do to, to, to run for that episode, he's, he's happy to pick and slop.
0: Yep. And, um, while we're on the subject of, uh, of, of listener participation, uh, just a a quick note. This is, uh, in addition to being sponsored by discount comic book service, this is technically uh, one of the, the patron bonus episodes for the month. And uh, on that note, I did want to let people know and kind of give a quasi-apology. Um, the month got a, uh, got ahead of me. And so this morning, I went to the post office and mailed out my December patron care packages. There were seven of you on. Uh, we divided it up, but I had seven of you. I apologize for those of you that have uh, been waiting for one and have been wondering where the hell it is. Uh, it's probably because I was sending it to you. Apologies, but they no, did no, all go no. out today. I just what? sent
2: mine out today, too.
0: There you go. So Vince yeah. and I both sent ours out today. So DAP was on the ball. I know a bunch of you that got from DAP posted yours on the site already. They looked awesome. But just um, I know I got mine out very early last month. So apologies, but they were sent out today. So hopefully most of you will get them before the end of the month. Um, uh, there's maybe a West Coast, West Coast brother of ours in a in a Californ- uh, Canadian fellow that, uh, uh, I'm not going to say her name so you can be surprised, but uh, who probably won't get it until the turn of the new year, I'm guessing, but uh, apologies for that, Uh, but it is what it is. Hopefully, I make up for it with the quality of the content.
2: Nice. Well, I tried to do that as well, what with it being so late in the month. I had nine. One was to uh, a recompense for the post office's screw-up when they sent... The one patron, the box empty. Oh right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had to redo that one, and do eight more. But I don't think anybody is going to be upset because they all, in addition to the the reading material, they all got a set of limited edition buttons. Nice. I, I I I now have zero. Wow. On hand, I went through all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a screen printed backer with mm-hmm. five limited edition buttons and everybody gets a piece of Japanese vinyl.
0: Oh, wow. Yep. I'm I had to, up.
2: I kind of had to, right? Cause I'm so late. So That's I figured cool. what the heck.
0: Um, and then one last announcement thingy, since we're on this, um, David, Vince and I, uh, first of all, want to thank you all so much for how unbelievably, uh, humbling and successful the Patreon campaign has been this year. Um, as you all know, we labored about whether to do it at all and it was, frankly, your overwhelming encouragement for us to do it that led us to take the dive and I'd like to think we we tried hard to make it worth y'all's while and, and I, I feel like we have done a good job of that and we've gotten positive feedback but, you know, just know that um, we do very much appreciate it and we have been talking behind the scenes about some uh, I don't want to say Changes, well, changes, but for the better, Um, you know, we're trying to take a hard look at what worked this first six, seven months, what what maybe didn't work as well as we had intended, both logistically or, you know, stuff for y'all. And so we will probably, if not next week, the week from now, we will uh, just take you all through some, uh, let's say, addendums to the campaign. So we're kind of thinking of ways that we can just give you more choice. Uh, whether that be, you know, maybe choosing different rewards for the same monetary tier, um, perhaps, you know, adding a, a tier or two, uh, maybe adding some extra cool, um, uh, overall rewards. Cause, you know, since we got to the six episodes, uh, per month tier, uh, which we're kind of hovering right, right around there again right now, um, the next sort of group reward is, is way up at a much higher number numerically, and it would be for, um, like sponsored happy hours at the conventions that we attend. So we also were talking about maybe giving another goal or two that are sort of group attainable to, because that's, I think a lot of people vibe off that and we're kind of peaked out at that. So, so stay tuned for all of that. And, uh, but either way, just know that any changes we make certainly won't be regressive. I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, be looking to sort of t- give you less for the same. Uh, we're going to try and do the opposite. The one, and we'll just keep it 100 here. The one thing we are going to have to, to do, and I know that most of you have already acknowledged that you thought this was going to happen. Um, you know, we probably, no, that's so a problem. We can't continue to do the care packages the way we're doing them for outside the US. Uh, it's not that we don't want to. And again, we have, if you've signed up already and you're outside, you know, if you're in Canada, we're, we're, we're going to go through with that. But we are going to have to change that one just because, I mean, real talk to send a care package. In the US, via the way we normally do it, it costs between, what would you say, guys, like four to seven bucks, right? Probably. Yeah. Like give or take, yeah. depending on the size?
2: Yeah. For, seven, seven to ten.
0: Okay, yeah. It depends right. But for, for Canada, it's it's running us um forty plus dollars to send the same package. And again, that's on us. It's not on you. Don't feel bad about that. But you know, as you might imagine, that makes it kind of um that makes it onerous to, to continue that. Uh, right. So so we'll We'll have to rethink that. We have some ideas about how we can offer different things to our non-US peeps that um, you know won't involve maybe the expense of shipping a big heavy thing to you directly. But uh, stay tuned for all of that.
2: Yeah, some good stuff in the works.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. But mo- far more importantly than any of that, what the f are y'all drinking? <laughs>
2: Can I go first? Because it's the same thing I had last week. By all means. I'm finishing off the Sorrenti Family Vineyard Merlot. But, 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 I did receive copious amounts of the grape for Christmas.
3: Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. I got a lot. Sweet. Excellent. That's great. How about you, Jason?
0: Uh, I am drinking an oldie but a goodie. It's a, it's a, You all know me. It's a heavy rotation drink, but uh, I'm drinking uh, Clos de los Siete, the the table wine that we drink quite often.
2: It's good stuff.
3: Yeah. Very good. What are you drinking, Dan? Uh, This is one of the three bottles that uh, my EOC gift exchange sender, Mr. Dan Bryant, sent me. This is actually his father-in-law's label. This is from uh, Michael Gill Sellers. It is a black tie Syrah from 2014. Um I'm not usually big on the Syrah. This this is um this is actually pretty tasty. I I um it's going down a lot smoother than I than I expected it to, so I'm hoping to still be somewhat upright by the time we finish this episode. Um especially if we're gonna do a video chat. But no, this is I mean A, thank you for a wonderful gift, Dan. and and uh, and thank you, Father-in-law, for making a pretty damn tasty wine. Nice. Yeah. All right on.
2: I have no thank yous. I do not either.
3: Nor do I.
2: All right. Oh, good. Well, not good, but okay. Just a big thank you. A thank yeah. you to
0: all of our great EOC community members.
2: Truth. Let's talk about them. their comic books. Let's do it. Well, I want, I have admittedly, I have not had the opportunity since we last recorded to read many things.
1: Hmm.
0: That, that makes me sad for you. I'm sad for you because I know you love to read the comics. I
2: do, but it was a very busy time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, uh, you know, I did read one thing. I said, okay, I don't have a whole lot of time. To do a uh, very much reading, but I'm going to read this because I know if I do read this, that Mr. Price will join
0: in. Oh, with then it. you need to speak on it then.
2: Not right now because it, it it may be a little
0: involved. Oh, okay. so I want to hear either either <laughs> something. <laughs> wow, okay. No, it's just a little zig. When I expected you to zag. Yeah, because right, I, I'm going to break into something. that I'm in Johnson. That or or I don't Ryan think either of you read, read, and I think you both should read. Oh boy, speak on it. Okay, it's going to be controversial, so you you promise me guys are going to keep an open mind?
2: Oh, here comes the twist. You
0: promise? Yep. Okay. I read Marvel 2-in-1, number one.
3: I guess someone didn't look at the slack.
0: Oh, you read it, Boo? Oh, I saw on the Facebook you said you weren't going to read it because of who wrote it. Oh, you did read it. Oh, nice. Okay, or even better.
2: I have okay. to admit, I read it as well.
0: Oh, oh! this is like oh, a Christmas like miracle. Yep. Yes. Really All right, was. I'll set it up. I'll set it up. But this is glorious. This is excellent. I thought I was going to have to. Te- I thought I was going to have to implore you both to read it. Okay. Well, uh, Marvel Two and One Number One, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Jim Chung. It is uh, Fate of the Four Part One. It's Marvel 2 1 Thing and Human Torch with uh, the cover by Jim Chung with Thing and the Human Torch breaking through uh, the Fantastic Four logo. And now, this is part of the Marvel Legacy reboot or relaunch, whatever you want to call. And when it was solicited, I immediately read it as here we go, they're bringing the Fantastic Four back. Now, I would say more people read it differently. More people were skeptical that we would see the Fantastic Four back because of the well known back you know back office politics involving the different studios and, and the like. Um, and then some said, well now that Marvel's bought Fox and has the rights back, this really will be the relaunch of the Fantastic Four. And then my point there was, well no no no. This either is or it isn't, but it has nothing to do with the Fox thing because this was in the works for months before. But either way, um for the listeners that are maybe newer school, uh, Marvel 2-in-1 is a title that evokes... It's one of a handful of uh, titles that I guess got started in what, the early 70s, right? Would you say? Like the original runs? Early they 70s. Like, yeah. Early 70s, right? Yeah. There were a couple that were different team-up books. and um, So, I think when you hear Marvel 2-in-1, you think, okay, this is going to be a team-up book, but... Um, but after reading this issue, I think it's very clear that this is in fact the return of the Fantastic Four to the Marvel Universe. Um, where it starts is we are we're left with the new status quo is Johnny is racing cars. Johnny Storm is racing cars. Uh, his car below his race car crashes and, and starts burning up. And of course, since he's the human torch, he walks out burning but but unscathed um and he seems dejected and morose and not suicidal but but definitely taking undue risks living life dangerously um and uh and and Ben is not in a great place either um but Ben is given access to the Baxter buildings archives and all the stuff that was in it for the first time in a long time, because all of that stuff, I guess has been in storage since Peter Parker took over the Baxter building when he was running Parker industries. But as we know, that is no longer the case. The Baxter building is now out, no longer in his possession, nor does he own the rights to everything else. So he tells Ben, Hey, um, here, all your stuff's in storage. Why don't you, you know, go there and, and check it out. Um, and, Ben is everybody's super down because they think that Reed and Sue and the kids are gone forever. And we'll get to that because I do struggle with them thinking that because again, it's the fantastic four, the number of adventures they have. I would know, I would never believe they would assume that they're dead. I would think they would just assume that they're missing somewhere and that they could be found. But, um, Reed and, and and, I'm sorry, Ben and, and Johnny haven't interacted, um, since, since the, the, the first family disappeared. Um, so, so they have issues, but through a series of consequences, it uh, it appears as though Reed left a clue for Ben as to their whereabouts. And, um, it was something that only Ben could ever access. And, uh, and doom being doom appears. And of course, doom had stolen this some time ago, uh, because he felt it was his right to any knowledge. But now that Doom is, I guess, trying to be a good guy in the Marvel Universe, he feels compelled to give the piece back to Ben so that Ben can have it and unlock it. Uh, and he re he re he re uh, engages with Johnny, and uh, you know, to try and go on this quest to figure out what's going on. Uh, and meanwhile, Johnny uh, is having issues in that he apparently is losing his powers. His powers are weakening. So there's sort of a subtext mystery, I guess, that we'll unpack as well. Now, I can only assume that these are new status quos born out of the recent uh, end of the last situation they were in, which was Johnny was hanging out with the Inhumans when they were trying to make the Inhumans the top thing in Marvel. He was, uh, I think, hitting, hitting it with Crystal. And Ben was a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So... I guess both of them ran their course and now they're kind of free agents which would set them up to go on this quest finally. But uh, listen, Jim Chung on art can't go wrong. So the art crushed it. And I know I was probably less worried about Zdarsky than than Dapp was, at least earlier this week. But uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't optimistic because um, I can't say that I have a great grasp on Chip as a writer, but the stuff I have read of his or or that I've been a part of through what he does with Fraction on Sex Criminals. Not my cup of tea. Like, I don't seem to really get his sense of humor. But to his credit, he plays it straight in this book. This isn't he. This is a yuck fest. This isn't a comedy. This is him trying to write these characters in, in a, a, a real way or at least to form. And I personally thought he did an excellent job of it. I thought he play Doom well relative to at least Doom's current status quo. I thought he got Ben right. And, um, you know, Johnny's not really all that much in the book, frankly, at least in terms of uh, character development. So um, I even thought he did Spidey right. Uh, so I'm on board. I, I thought this was great. And I guess my excitement is born out of the fact that I think over in the final pages, we essentially get them to acknowledge this is about finding Reed and Sue and Franklin and Valeria. So count me in. Nice. Take it away, boys. Did you agree, disagree, hate it, love it? I don't
2: um, care. One thing I want to get off my chest right the first thing I have to talk about should I ever find myself in a position of editorial power at Marvel, I would make sure that Greg Land does not come within smelling distance of a Fantastic Four book.
3: Oh, the back. Especially. You know, I, I especially. Totally
2: that 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 image of Susie is disgusting.
3: It, it, it is. It's. I forgot nasty. about
0: the backup, so you could speak on that. I totally see. I blocked it out. I didn't even think about it. It's.
3: And it's. It's in. It's the same type of backup that they've been doing with the legacy books, where it's it's a two or three page origin story written by Robbie Thompson, and he does a great job. I mean, I think Robbie's been doing fantastic with 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 all, all of the origin stories that that have been, whether it's the Falcon or Spider or whatever. But mm-hmm. this was a decent enough telling. Of their origin, but I'll you know, like, like Vince is implying, it's not a good look.
2: No, he altered her body type just because that's the reference he had for that pose, and it was yeah. it, it's porn star chic. Yep. Sus- Susie has never had a figure like that, like where she's extremely big on top, and one boob up top. Yeah. It's just it's just terrible. It hurts my heart and my head and my eyes to look at that image. The rest of it's, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's great, but I mean, her face is dis- disfigured on the first page. Um yep. But Ben is way too handsome. Yep. Johnny should be the handsome one, but you can't really tell because he's got sunglasses. <laughs> His young on. look. Yeah, right. it's it's just it's it's horrible. It's, please stop Greg Land from doing anything with the Fantastic Four ever again. But I agree with Jason. I think. The dialogue rang true to me. The, uh, the book definitely has a lot of heart to it. Um, you know, Ben would lie just to well. It take the yeah, long yeah. shot. He would lie. He would.
3: I, I, I it's think it's also to, hmm, to make somebody feel better. Exactly. It's, it's those white lies where you know it's like I'm. I'm telling. It's. It may not be true, but i can't I can't stand to see a loved one feel this way and right. and, and be so distraught, so i'm gonna say whatever I need to say um but sorry, ben Ben's
2: optimism is so strong that he could hope it into reality he could he could make it come true based in this fictional yeah. construct of the Marvel Universe. Ben is, I think Ben's more optimistic than Peter Parker. Ben has always been the optimist. Oh, yeah. You know, and
3: yeah, I mean, definitely more than Peter Parker, sure.
2: Right. And but just the whole stuff was with Johnny burning the candle at both ends and taking unnecessary risks. He's done that before. He's he's tried to, to pleasure himself into non existence just to drown out all the stuff he didn't want to face. He's done that many times. So that, I mean, that, that rings true again. I just, it, it it was, I I guess I'm reserving judgment until I see where it's going, but I didn't dislike this.
0: Right on.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the, uh, in the same camp. I thought the, um, it, there. They're doing it right in the sense that since it is titled Marvel 2 in 1, that thing is front and center and as Mm -hmm. he always was in Marvel Mm -hmm. 2 in 1. So that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that is not one of, I don't, I don't see this particular title, this, where, whereas most of the, the, the titles they brought back, whether it's Silver Sable or the Master Kung Fu, those were pretty much one shots, whereas this is, at least for all intents and purposes, an, an ongoing, if you, if anything's truly an ongoing these days. And, you, you have a um, – it's – this one didn't feel like a a cash grab like some of the one-shots did before. Uh, the art is phenomenal. It's one of the few times where you can actually see a face underneath Spider-Man's mask. I don't know how the hell Jim did it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I assume he but just – Drew Peter, right, and then he and, and then and just yeah, <laughs> posed the, the mask over. Yeah, um, but it's it's kind of strange to see. You know, he's almost like scowling with the nose, and, and but it's 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 a cool image. Uh, I I didn't. Um, I, I thought Zdarsky had. You know, I don't. I don't know how hard it is to write Ben Grimm. Um, that's. It's probably a character that I mean, if it, you just kind of have to channel something in you, and 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 you can tell a decent story with with Ben Grimm. I, I didn't think, um, and even Doom, I thought everybody kind of everybody sounded like we were supposed to sound like. I, I didn't have a problem mm-hmm. with any of the characterizations, um, but I thought the uh, and even even the moment where you know reads giving Ben his inheritance and, and he's, he's going through the whole spiel with all the science speak. And, and then, you know, he realizes that I just, I can never turn that off even when I'm just talking to my best friend. So, uh, there were some really, really cool moments in this issue. So, um, yeah, I like you, Jason. I mean, I think we've, we we kind of chuckle whenever it's, it's usually brought up because of how everybody, whether they're friends of ours or even people we know in the industry who, who sing, Darsky's praises and and as if we just don't get the humor um and i just kind of always shrugged off because i wasn't i wasn't feeling howard duck i didn't I, I don't check out sex criminals um there's just been there've been a lot more misses than hits for me as far as he's concerned even on twitter it's just like i don't i i, I don't <laughs> okay that's cool you know i mean if people think it, it's i'm sure there are all pe- people know everybody in 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 real life who you know he's not as funny as he thinks he is so i mean that's
0: yeah, I mean, Cap Tower, same thing. I, I, I was dying to, I was dying to, uh, like that book, um, you know, because uh, because Kage McCloud, you know, did the art, but I, I just chips, just writing, just didn't work for me. So, So
3: uh, it's, but you know, I, I've, there's, there's always going to be, not, not to make excuses to be like, you know, hey, you guys got me, but I mean, there's always going to be a story or two where if, if I'm not generally feeling the majority of, of a writer's catalog whether that's um that that's nightly news hickman or whether that's you know a bunch of things from mark miller there are just some things where i'm just not going to always feel and that that was definitely that that's not the case here this is if, if you would you know it, it's almost like if, if you had asked me to guess who wrote this after i read it i i don't know if i would have gotten to Zdarsky. So I, I, I like it a lot. I, you know, Doom is being Doom and, and he's still, he's also that, that, that new Bendis Doom as far as, you know, him trying to be the better man and, and reigning it in when he's having the conversation with Ben. Um, so yeah, it, I'm, I'm, and I, what?
2: I, just, I find it very curious that his costume, the armor is slowly yep. transforming into the 2099 version.
3: <laughs> yeah isn't it i wonder i wonder if that was uh i wonder if that's deliberate
2: i don't um,
3: know it's kind of cool i mean cool. i i don't and like the
2: current design i like the 2099 design but uh this one with the you know the the louvers and stuff in the 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 chest mm-hmm. area it, it's okay but it, the just the, the overall look of it is approaching the
3: 2099 style and i i Love the homage to the uh first issue that we're gonna get on the second issue cover.
2: Another the, one. I'm sorry, the
3: first the first first cover to uh Fantastic Four, the original series. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I yes, like another f- one, but so, yeah. yet another one. How I many does that mean? <laughs> we should we should do a mm-hmm. uh a tally of all the times oh, the that, Fantastic Four. I, I
3: don't know if it's that's I think the only thing that might beat it is uh what the the pieta i mean that's aside yeah. from I, I don't think those are th- those are two of the most pretty much or maybe the action comics number one cover but in in any case it's um if if it works if if it's in the and i mean if they're on monster island and and what's even better is just doom walking away from them on the car it's it's pretty slick but you know yeah. jim chung's gonna draw monsters
2: i like how and fast it. uh or how quickly piledriver was dispatched
0: yeah there's, there's like, nothing better than uh than seeing the wrecking crew used as, uh, as jobbers.
3: Yep. Cause they it's, are, it's, it's, it's too bad. Just only one of them was there because then they couldn't all gather around and, and brag about how they took down Thor.
1: Yep. Broken
0: clock. Yeah, like I said, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys feel that way because like I said, I, 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 I had very low expectations of this simply because David, you briefly mentioned the other legacy. Most of them in one shots. I've, and I'm not looking to dismiss them, but I found I've read most of them, and I have found... The fact that we haven't talked about most of them on the show, I think is, that should tell you something. i I found them to be entirely forgettable, for the most part. Um, at least the ones that I've read. So I, I was prepared for this to be something like that, especially given the writer. But uh, I'm pleased to see it's not the case. Now, what will be really interesting, and I don't know how I would feel about this, is... Do either of you think this could mean that if this goes well, Chip will be the new writer of Fantastic Four?
3: No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know, man. I didn't want to think about that. I, I'm thinking, you know what? I would like what in my mind, what I would like to see happen is this is a springboard and other other books, not not so much that they're actually labeled as time or crossovers or make it an event but just like kind of like they did when they brought back gene gray with x factor it's like it showed up in avengers and fantastic four and then we got the and, and, and then we got x factor number one i i'd like it to to subtly you know maybe thing shows up or thing and johnny show up in another book and any it's just it's the road to the return of the fantastic four without actually you know make and they, this is all of course is all just a dream but this is you know just just make it part of the chase again so this way people don't if if you're paying attention it's there and obviously if thing or johnny are showing up then then it might lead to reed and sue and the kids coming back but i i would like to see other people kind of pick up where chip leaves off after this arc and and even if it's not the same title just happen to show but just i i want to see other people Play around with it before we get the return. Do I? I don't. Just on this issue, it's too early for me to say if I want Chip to be the guy to bring.
0: Oh, sure. Back. No, I'm not saying we want him to be. I'm saying, do you think this this could could lead that way?
3: Yes, because I don't know who else Marvel has that they feel. I mean, he's already writing a Spider-Man book, and and you know Jason Aaron's doing his thing, and and I don't unless. Once slots done with Spidey, it goes mm-hmm. to him. I don't know I, I don't know who else Marvel really has that uh, they they'd feel comfortable or confident giving the book to.
0: hmm Well good. I'm I'm glad this was uh this was not uh what I thought it was gonna be, which is me convincing y'all it was worth your time. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool.
1: Uh,
0: right on, right on. Pretty solid. Yeah. Excellent. Now are you ready to talk about your thing?
2: No. Well, I noticed on your list. <laughs> oh,
0: okay.
2: I, I I do look at your both. This always lists.
0: goes well when he just throws something on.
2: <laughs> and uh, I want to get your opinion of a book that I thought was intriguing in concept. Mm-hmm. I think the premise is wonderful, and it mm-hmm. it it conjures. Various possibilities in in my mind, but I thought the art was a whiff and i oh, want to, i wanna see okay. what you say oh, it, it okay it's written by Zach Kaplan. The art is done by Andrea muti, and vladimir okay. Vladimir Popov does the colors It's port of earth
1: number, oh number yeah. one
2: now. I thought the premise was brilliant. Okay, that fateful day when we finally come into into contact with an extraterrestrial um, intelligence, like religion, everybody um, likes to think that the extraterrestrials in question will be altruistic and benevolent and span unbelievably vast distances just to be nice to us and help us out. Hey, here's the cure to cancer. What do you know? Um, or, you know, solve all our problems. Just like the Big Sky Daddy. They're, they're, they're hoping that the the remedy will come from without in the form of, of alien intelligence. But this book, the premise is built upon the fact that, yeah, the aliens came, but not only were they not altruistic they kind of lied to us and um they established a base on earth and they were making they were capitalists they were making money on it and we can't pull out of the deal because we would lose face in in this now um extraplanetary arena so we're going along with it and earth is now the uh stepping stone for all kinds of nasty uh untoward activities not only on the on the of earthly origin but now of outside of our our boundaries uh, our planetary boundaries drugs and all na- sorts of nasty stuff i think the premise is great but there, it, there's a, a two step process in order to convince me, what you're the the thing you're selling is is mm-hmm. the real deal. If the story's solid, that's half the battle. You need to mesmerize me with the art as well. And while the story did that, the art, I think, fell very short in accomplishing that task. You feel the same way?
0: Uh, I generally do. I did you read the second issue? I did not. Okay, so I read the first. The first and the second issue. Um, I definitely agree that the concept, the hook, the elevator pitch is spot on. And I was this was I was certainly very excited to read this. Um, and I also agree that the artwork, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with Moody from some of his other stuff. I, I, I was surprised by the art in the sense that if you're going to give me a book where the earth is is now become an interstellar way station. You get, you I mean as the artist, you, you have a lot of, I mean, you get, you get the cr- chance to go crazy and you get the chance to, to create. It's almost like a dream. If you're a, an artist who likes science fiction, you, you can create any kind of life form that your mind can bring up. You can create right. any kind of, of architecture or, or vehicle that you can think of. And, Yet, we get very little of that. Um, we, we get a pretty intricately designed uh, base, uh, but the, the soldiers, the, the people that work for the ESA, are, are just in very standard, seen-in-a-million-times body armor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the aliens are, I don't know, I mean, they're, none of them are all that memorable. And, and where I think in the second issue two of the heroes have to track down a a rogue alien and i thought the design was just just uninspired um it looked like the it looked like um you know how um drinking straws have that extendy mm-hmm. part the perforated part yeah it, it the alien essentially has those kinds of arms and legs and it just looks silly it looks like a one of those stretch armstrong Figures come to life, um, but not in a, not in an interesting way. So, so I'm with you. I, I think that the art just doesn't. It's just not dynamic.
1: Yeah, and it's, I and, like and it's that it's you said all, it's it's not, it's not just The
0: art. It's not just the line it, work, really. It's 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 the it's the narrative decisions. It, it's the the fact that a lot of the book is talking heads. Yeah, and yeah. I have no issue with talking head comics.
3: But yeah, I, I, did you guys? It, and I may have blinked and missed it. I know Vince introduced the creators, but did anybody actually say what the title of the book was? Yeah, yeah, it's Port of Earth. Yeah. Oh, thank you, okay.
0: Yeah, Um, but there's a lot of talking heads, and I just, I don't think this book is, this shouldn't be a talking heads book, Mm -hmm. or at least it shouldn't be a predominantly talking heads book. Um, So, yeah, I'm with you, Vince. It just, it it, it did not pull me in. In fact, I... I read the second, mainly I read the second issue because I, I had both the first and the second issue uh, already. And so when I sat down to read the first, I went ahead and read the second right back to back. And uh, I, I feel no compulsion to continue with the story.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. it's just so gray. The book mm-hmm. is, Overall, the book is gray. Um, the first issue is predominantly gray. And
0: I overlooked... The book almost feels black and white.
2: Yeah, yeah. I overlooked the first um page with the the quick and easy um photoshop shenanigans mm-hmm. but when you take two of my pages to do the same thing just to introduce the title of your book you know the this the splash with the bad icy photoshop mm-hmm. it no no and and i think the base is is not very inspired like you said the the uh, the armor run of the mill Um, and the, the, uh, the aliens are, are cookie cutter.
0: When you, when you started your, your opening salvo about how there was a book on my list that you had read and wanted to get my thoughts I thought you were going in a completely different direction. Hmm. I thought you were going with giants. Number one by the Balderrama brothers.
2: Yeah. Oh man. Now see, that is the flip side of this. That That is a visually arresting book.
0: No? I, I think it looks much better than this, don't get me wrong, but I found the kaiju to be uninspired because to me they looked exactly like the kaiju from... Um, Pacific Rim? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I thought they pretty much were on model to that and... It just seemed it just left me a little a little blob as a result.
2: Hmm, that's a a dark horse book, right? Yes. Giants. I'm trying to find. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. I found it. Um, yeah, it does echo Pacific Rim, but my God, the the line work is is just yeah impeccable.
0: it is de- it is definitely a much stronger line each page stands on its own much better it, this was more of just a design of the kaiju that i wish they had been a little more creative with the design of the kaiju for my taste but right. um but what i like now, about it's, giants
2: it's, is mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry the no, the, the opening salvo with the two colossal beasts and the wreckage all around mm-hmm. them that's a mere fraction of the issue the issue I mean, and I, like, I still have not read this. I merely, you know, paged through it oh, a, a number okay. a number of times. Th- the meat of the issue are the two boys. And yeah. I, thought, I thought that was a bold, I don't, maybe after I've, I've actually read it, if I could, I don't know if I, I'll see if that's a wise choice or not. But for the, the meat of the issue to be, to set up the relationship between these two boys when the title of your book is Giants... And you only show the giants for a couple pages.
0: That's that's ballsy. It is. There's a lot of strange things going on with this book. Uh, in previews when it was solicited, that Dark Horse made a huge deal out of the fact that this was the Valderrama brothers' American debut. Mm-hmm. And I'll be damned if I can figure out what the Valderrama brothers are known for beyond that. <laughs> So, so like I feel like that's a really slick. It'd be funny if they're just like two two brothers that live in like Portland. Yeah. I and thought like, one you know, of them was on... make it be like, yo, it's your American debut, as if like they have, but they've actually never written anything else. Either. Right? Like... Was it one <laughs> of them
2: no, on that '70s show?
0: No, it's not Wilmer. It's <laughs> not Wilmer. This is uh, Carlos and Miguel Valderrama. They are uh, a tandem, much like the Lunar Brothers, in that they are all they were both credited with the story art and lettering. So I don't know who does what or if they, if they truly do combine for all things. But um, the premise is a cool premise. Um, it, it's it's um, sometime in the future, although I don't think materially so. But but it does say that in this one, um, h- humanity has been driven uh, away from the surface of the Earth because of these giant kaiju, these giants that now roam the Earth. They came a long time ago and essentially laid waste to the surface. So humanity, uh, in an evolutionary imperative moved underground where it was safer uh, but every now and then people do have to go to the surface for certain things including something called uh, amber noir which is some kind of fuel energy source and i guess down below because resources are scarce and it's cramped there are warring gangs that uh that dominate and there are two gangs the Blood Wolves and the Grim Bastards who are embattled in a very difficult gang war at the time and they are looking for Amber Noir to help turn the tide. And these two brothers in the in the book um, come to the surface to try and, and get the Amber Noir. But of course that brings its own problems because they not only have frozen conditions and, and danger every turn, they also have to then come across the kaiju. So cool premise. Um, but as you said, I mean most of the story is essentially these these boys dealing with the, the with the rival gangs in their own quest. Um, so it's a very human, human book for a book that, as you said, is titled Giants. It is also the first issue, so who's to say where we go from here? Um, I suspect one or both will have some way of communicating with, or, or, you know, writing or, or handling in some way. You know, the the giants. I assume they've. I assume the giants and they will have some kind of relationship, some kind of symbiotic tie that will that will. Lead elsewhere, but um, that'd be cool. Yeah, I dug it enough for the, to try for the second issue, but I have to say, I just wish that they had chosen a different model for, for the monsters because it to me, it, they do look exactly like they were um out of uh out of that movie. So,
2: Pacific Rim, <laughs> yeah, I can't
0: think of the film like, like um, Pacific Rim. Thank you,
2: yeah. Well, I, I do agree with you, but um, who knows? Maybe these two beasts they they look like they could be cousins, maybe they're of one type of beast and there are other types
0: that's a good point yeah so we'll see
2: but I, I mean i think the book is just gorgeous it's it's impeccably illustrated um the, the character designs are phenomenally the, the kids look like young boys they don't look like big people shrunk down to child proportions um the the colors are are superb choices uh even even the cover the blue and orange on the cover it's just one-two-punch, you know. Uh, I, like I said, I didn't read it yet. I'm going to, but uh, I'm, as long as they keep publishing this book along these lines, I will keep reading it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Dap! Join the fun! Vince! Yeah! Yeah? Yeah.
3: Oh, I did not get to do a lot of reading this weekend. Um...
2: The club we're all in i think well not jason
3: seriously no no because he got his christmas goodies the um because i'm even trying to get through the, the book of the month that we're going to talk about in two days so um yeah yeah should call an audible this month. the um <gasps> the Uh, I'm kidding. Actually, I'm working on working on the January selections. So not right now. Not while we're talking. Heaven forbid. So this it's, is. Um... It's
2: not like a fantasy draft or anything. Why would you do that?
3: Oh my! Ooh. god.
0: <laughs> Ever. you. You mean, always hurt a, the such ones you a love. Holder,
2: man. You're oh such my god! Seriously. I just like to that's tweak right. you. That's all. There was my tweak
3: for the episode.
2: All right. Oh man! Now he's all.
3: Um and everything. <laughs> since since we haven't really talked I tonight's a little different, but we um since Jason mentioned the the legacy issues and, and some of the ones that we haven't discussed because they've uh may have been a miss. Um I read before I read the uh, the Marvel 2 in one, I read Tales of, Sus- of Suspense number one hundred featuring Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier. Uh with a slick Marco Cicchetto covered. This is um this is actually pretty entertaining. Uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg. Art by Travel Foreman. Color by Jason's new BFF. Uh, Rochelle Rosenberg. And this is... Um, <laughs> this, I, I... What? He got... He, he, oh, I know. I, 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 hey, I'm there so with you. See, just, I'm bringing it back to the con. She does good work. Uh, she does do good work. And and, and she does good work on, on Foreman, too. It's... um you know there have been uh there've been times like for me my 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 clint my um the hawkeye i like is uh the one from the four issue mini series west coast avengers that eventually kicked off the ongoing series i like that version of hawkeye for some reason um as years have gone on and and uh he died and came back and and then he had the uh the fraction series and they're just Hawk, I just see more clumsy and 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 felt back assward into solving things and and it just never was really a, a character that i guess you know I just didn't care about or, or I felt like there was any oh, he's gonna get hurt, and I'm so concerned and it just never was really happening so um I've kind of eased away from the character over recent years but this was um i i i dug the uh his his actions and actually his uh his reasons for his actions and 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 the narration throughout um but basically clint is looking for natasha he doesn't believe black widow to be dead i didn't I, i missed Something I didn't know that that um I guess this happened to her secret empire um she died fighting America's greatest traitor, captain america uh and the issue starts off at a funeral home at a funeral at at a uh, at, at a at a viewing at a wake um and and there are slick little moments where you know clint is trying to um it's very easy for him to get under people's skin, and and uh, he's not exactly a great spy. So he, he he's fumbling his way through these interactions, and and at one one moment he um he's walking out of the room, but the guy he's 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 been talking to as he's walking away, uh, he just you know whispers "Hail Hydra" as he's walking by, and I always found that amusing ever since. Um, ever. Ever since the Winter Soldier movie and and the whole thing that blew up with that, every every chance people would get, they would sneak a Hale Hydra in normal conversation. But the uh, the the funeral the, the the wake does not go too well because um, the fight breaks out and the funeral home burns down, uh, which may have been Clint's fault, but Clint has to travel to. Uh, Eternia and he is um he he's on this mission he's he's trying to follow all these leads to um to find Black Widow And, and he uh he thinks he spots her up on a rooftop and uh unfortunately though it wasn't Black Widow it was uh which a soldier and while they're fighting, cause that's what heroes do when they see each other, they, uh, we're supposed to feel like we're, we should be rooting for Hawkeye because Hawkeye who admits to, to being a former boyfriend of black widow, we're now introduced to in the story, at least, um, Bucky, who is also an ex-boyfriend of black widow. So they, uh, this is all making sense in Clint's head, but we, um, we're left with a pretty interesting cliffhanger at the end of the issue, but I, I was actually I didn't know what to expect going in. I didn't know where we because since Secret Empire, I don't know a lot of the current Marvel landscape really. So uh, post Secret Wars, and then with the whole Legacy stuff, and the few things I am reading here and there, I'm just I'm kind of it, it. In a lot of ways, it feels like it was when I was first getting into comics, and, and I would. Introduced to a character or series that I didn't read before, and and now I'm trying to piece things together because I'm in I'm in the middle of an ongoing plot that I have no idea how many issues it was before, and 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 I don't know where we're going now. So uh, I am in a way I, I like this kind of view I have of the current Marvel landscape because I I can kind of just not so much wing it, but just experience it or re-experience like I did back then. So I'm not so involved or or invested and I'm not, I'm not so concerned about, you know, so I'm not so caught up on Canon and, and wondering how the pieces fit. I'm just, I'm kind of going in like a newborn. So it's, uh, it's, it's neat seeing characters who, that I am familiar with and and how they're interacting now. Um, But this was considering, for the most part it's a Hawkeye book. This was uh this was pretty entertaining and, and I really liked Foreman's art here. It's uh it's pretty it it's it serves the purpose. It it, it fits the story pretty well. Uh the action that takes place, the, the the crowd scene so this way Hawkeye can kinda get lost and uh shake his tail and, and blend in with the crowd. Um I, I, I liked it a lot. I said I didn't know what to expect and, and uh I came away quite happy.
2: Somebody said that they have value stamps again,
3: yeah, there were um and Mike McCone is doing the headshots uh, there there were some there was one in the uh, yes, yeah, since since Legacy started, because uh, the only paper issue I usually I really get from Marvel now is Black Panther, and there was a um crap was it a black bolt? I think it was a black bolt in the Black Panther issue I read.
2: So was it on a letters page?
3: No, no, it's it's uh, it, it's a separate, it's it's um it's kind of like the old, uh, trading cards that they would put inside the, uh, in inside the old issues or um, it, it's, it's it's, or the, or the coupons. So and it's they, an addition just, to the issue. It's, it's it's a separate it's a separate piece of paper, but it's no, stapled into the book. So you no. kind of just you peel.
2: No, it's got to mm. be. It's, it's got to be on clutch. the letters page.
3: No, it's not
2: on
0: the letters page. That's junk. Cank, indeed.
2: Jank indeed. I'm sorry. Jank I'm sorry. in
1: the tank.
3: Mm.
2: But I, I'm looking at the cover of this thing. It's the cover's not too shabby.
3: Yeah, Chetano knows his shit. I loved Chetano man. His Punisher run is one of my absolute favorites. Rucker wrote that, and and I loved his Frank Castle because he had a little bit longer hair. He had the beard. It, he looked. I loved the look of that book, and he could draw the ladies, and he also drew the um, the Shattered Empire story that kind of bridged. Return of the Jedi to um, the Force Awakens. So uh, he, oh. I, I like the way he draws, and um, this is a pretty, sh- this is a pretty sharp looking cover. Not his, not his best work, but it is still good.
0: Well, I'm the glad line. there was something redeeming because I, that's one of the few I didn't read. I um, oh, okay, I not it's, I have it. I just I guess it was just a victim of circumstance, and that the few I had read were all. T- Turned me off, so I I didn't feel yes. compelled to read the others that I had, but
3: uh, did like the Power Pack Power one Pack.
0: Was, was what's
3: that? Was just, okay, so you did read the Power
0: Pack one, yeah. I really disliked it. Yeah, me too. It just uh, felt like such a saccharine version of of the old of the old book.
3: And there's no, I mean, since since Alex was a member with with Reed and Sue, it's just like I don't it. I'm. Are you supposed to be? I, I don't know how old these kids are supposed to be. And it's like, exactly. And so yeah. Everything, yeah. everything else around the Marvel Universe kind of stays the same age, but these kids they, they're like you know, they're like the grace and everybody else grows up. Yep. Um and did you read the Silver Sable one? Yes. I like the look of that one. But yeah. otherwise it could have been it was yeah. like a female Punisher story. It just wasn't there wasn't anything silver sable y about it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was just left with most of these other than the fact that it was nostalgic, what was the point? Right. You know, um, and, and maybe maybe that's a me thing, not a them thing, because I guess the point was just to be nostalgic. But if you're going to be nostalgic, then then give me something dope. Give me give yeah. me a little one-shot that just makes me yearn from the old days, that makes me want to go and pull out my long boxes and reread that stuff, you know. Because I just don't think I did it for this. The Four Bush Man one was rough. I mean, I just, I just thought that, yeah, just largely a whiff.
2: Yeah, I feel you feel it's very hard to go home again. It is. Especially when you're charging four bucks a pop.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Now before you, you do your deep dive, because I know you've been you've been building up to it, um, <laughs> I did mention on the Facebooks and uh apologies to whoever turned me on to this. I did a I did a video for the patrons this week where I broke down my ten favorite G. I Joe action figures. <laughs> And you know, that led to more, someone saying, "Wow, well-timed." I assume you read you 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 saw the the Netflix documentary, and that that was your impetus for this.
2: What? And <laughs> my response
0: was, "I don't know what you speak on, but I'm intrigued." And what they were speaking on, and again, apologies, I I, I should have looked who, who had said that to me. I, I I do I do not remember who's the person who who brought this to my attention. But uh, in any event, there is a new Netflix series. Uh, a, a documentary series called The toys that Made Us I posted a link to our Facebook group today with it um, they have done they have released four episodes so far there's at least another four coming uh in the coming weeks but this is exactly what you might think of from the title. This is them going back and waxing nostalgically on the seminal toy lines that shaped our child our our respective childhoods um the four episodes so far have been star wars barbie he-man and gi joe wow we're also going for sure to get hello kitty transformers and star trek so Uh, this
3: this is not for is it a six or an eight issue series
0: it's it's at least eight but imdb says nine nine
3: okay um yeah, the Star Wars one was
2: great. Is, this is not my generation then. This is more Yes, it
3: is. Really? No. Well, well it's Star Wars is it you, depends, it depends on 77
0: the is when those 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 toys came out. So you would have been how old? 13? 35. 12, uh-huh. <laughs> 13? Yeah. Yeah. So you were right in that wheelhouse. Did you not collect Star Wars toys? Um,
2: I did. Yeah, but I'm I'm thinking more like Mego?
0: No, well, that may be coming. So, so to you are correct in that the the four of these so far. Well, no, Barbie goes. Well, I mean, Barbie is yeah, certainly. That's, um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I gotta,
3: I gotta watch the Barbie one. But, but
0: yeah, He Man and GI Joe definitely are are in just a little past you, right? I mean, they were. Um, I mean, I was GI Joe was GI Joe was my main toy, so that was that was the the early eighties. So you would have been you would have been too old. You would have been into them cause as a as a as like a geek collector, but you wouldn't have been playing with them like a kid. No, but I, um, I
2: was hella into the He-Man.
0: Right. So, so yeah. So these are up your wheelhouse. I mean, but the Star Wars was definitely the generation before. I mean, like yeah. half a it was like five years before. But either way, um, David, I'm glad to see you watch the Star Wars one because I actually am only halfway through the G.I. Joe when I started watching that today. Uh, I have not watched the He-Man one yet, but but the Star Wars one was absolute. I mean, these are fascinating. They're about forty forty five minutes each. Uh, and, and they take a... So far, I've only seen one and a half of them, but so far they take a a, a genuinely intriguing look at the history of these things. Um, before we get into the Star Wars one, because Deb and I both saw that to its completion, I will mention that uh, the G.I. Joe one has some heartbreaking beginnings. Uh, I guess I was never, in spite of being a massive fan of the toys, I, I never paid much attention to the origins. And I didn't realize that um, Stanley Weston, the gentleman who created GI Joe, and we're talking about GI Joe like in the fifties, the the or I, oh, guess early, I guess early early sixties, the the original action figure, the yeah. the, the dolls. Mister um, Stanley Weston was a vet who invented the idea and sold it to Hasbro, and I mean it's, it's just it'll crush you. This is right along the lines of like a Jack Kirby situation um, when Hasbro agreed to buy it from him. They offered him two two options. Option one: a fifty thousand dollars upfront signing bonus and a one percent royalty in perpetuity. Option two: one hundred thousand dollars in cash. And you, you can guess where I'm going. He took the hundred grand. And I mean, I was so he conservatively cost himself and his estate, his family, tens of millions of dollars at a minimum. Right. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine G.I. Joe's done billions of dollars in sales over the last 50 years. Right. Easily, oh, I would think yeah. easily. Well, so, yeah, not so only co- I the mean, figures, co- cost but everything else, dollars. too. That's what I well, that's what I mean. So um, so, 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 so 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 poor went out to Mr. Weston, who died this. Actually, he died this year. Uh, he died a few months ago um, at 84 years old. But his son is, is in the is in the documentary. Uh and so are the the people at Hasbro that that were involved. I mean, they freely acknowledged that that, that was what happened. That they gave him the offer, and he took the upfront money. Um, so you know, he's to blame in in a sense, right? He didn't believe in himself, so he he took the the burden the hand. But uh, uh, life lesson, people: if if you ever do invent something, man, like go all the way, take the shot at it, right? Like if you're offered points, take the points. I mean, take a shot on yourself. But um, but 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 the Star Wars one. I mean, there's so much in that, that just was fascinating. Um, and, and, and I have to say, I, I was not, I I don't, I don't consider myself a star Wars toy collector because I was a little too young for, for the bulk of the toys. I, you know, the, the toys that first summer, that first year was 1977 and I was three. So I, I mean, I really wasn't into the toys until post empire. So I definitely had a period of time where I was, but I wasn't a, I wasn't a diehard star Wars Toy collector like I was GI Joe and Transformers, so Dapp, you were probably right in that perfect age range, right? Yeah, I mean you were like a year or two old. So you were I mean you were like, yeah, you. So you'd have kind of been like right in the epicenter of the of the key demographic for that. Um, yeah, but for me, the most interesting factoid of the whole episode was that um, was that that Ber- Bernie Loomis, the CEO of Kenner is responsible for the very existence of three and three quarter inch action figures simply for the fact that the head designer was scrambling to figure out how to create a smaller figure that would allow for them to be small enough to use in vehicles that they could make. And he ran into
3: that. It was the vehicles that they were trying to, the, the Star Wars uh, as far as they were concerned the, the, the designers the, it was the vehicles that were the important thing so as long and you can't make a super huge Death Star you can't make a super huge TIE Fighter or an X-Wing so right, you, you, can't make, to... you
0: can't have vehicles for 12 inch figures yeah exactly yeah, right so they run into their CEO Bernie Loomis at the time the head designer uh, runs in and says listen Bernie we have very little time we have to make a decision because we're, we're up against it how big should we make the figures and as the story goes Bernie stuff his thumb and his forefinger out and said make them this big and the designer said he pulled out his measuring stick and he <laughs> measured that he measured that distance and it was three and three quarters inch and that is why to this day one of the standard action figure sizes is three and three quarters inch pure, pure random occurrence because that's how big the distance between Bernie Lewis's thumb and forefinger were it which is a good is awesome.
2: size though it's it's a neat. It path. is, but how awesome Pathful. is that, that
0: that there's no science behind it?
2: Right. Well, it's it's even better because there's no science behind it.
0: That's what I mean. But that, yeah, I mean three and three quarters is what I consider the optimal action figure size. Yeah, and he that's only be, 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 be that's that's purely because of <laughs> of corniness. <"Pour laughs>
1: <a> <MS." laughs>
0: I like means, I, I like some... how
2: Thundercats <laughs> came in and said, you know what, all those all those sizes, y'all are so found out. Fuck them. We're gonna have our. Well, own He-Man
0: size. did it too. I mean, there was never right, never any. I mean, He-Man did it and. Um, you know, He-Man was larger, but um, but th- there were some crazy things. Uh, this is uh, – so Lucas, I guess back then, toy companies were reluctant to make toys for movies
1: mm-hmm.
0: because movies were ephemeral. Even the best ones came and went in six weeks, and it was hard hard to continue to market to kids after a movie was out of the theater because, you know, there weren't reruns. There weren't videotapes. There just didn't – movies came and went you know they 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 just were there and they and so toy companies didn't see them as as marketable from that perspective so Lucas even though he was a green light to make Star Wars and had a good budget and the buzz was big for him he and his team couldn't get anyone any of the big toy companies at the time to say yes to making figures for or to make toys for Star Wars they just couldn't do it so Kenner was this company based in this tiny little company based in Cincinnati that had a few hits like Easy Bake Oven uh, and whatnot, but really weren't massive players. And so they were more of a risk taker. And the one of the head designers there was in love with, he was a sci-fi head. And so when he first saw the, the idea, he just fell in love with it and really pitched for them to go for it. And they agreed to do the deal like six months before the film came out, which was unheard of because back then it took almost two years to get a licensed toy designed, okayed, manufactured, and on the shelves. So basically they agreed to do it on the fly with having no no safety net and came to an agreement, which was they got to keep, Kenner got to keep $0.95 cents of every dollar for Star Wars stuff sold, <laughs> which today would be probably the greatest licensing deal of all time. Sure. And it was in, per- and it was in perpetuity.
2: Oh, my God.
0: The only deal being that they had to provide – ten thousand dollars in income to lucasfilm a year and that meant that even if they wanted they could just write a ten thousand dollar check even if they didn't make the toys and just keep the license and so needless to say the movie breaks huge and it's need i mean it's more than a massive success to the point where it makes kenner the largest toy company in the united states just on that alone because they are selling at one point i think they said they sold 22 the, the first year that the figures were available in 78, they sold 22 million action figures. Yep. Um, and so fast forward years later, Hasbro acquires Kenner, right? And Hasbro doesn't realize or forgets about the clause. And they let it lapse. They forget to make the payment one year. And Lucas being the baller that he is, they void the contract instantly. And then what happens? he announces the prequels.
1: <laughs>
0: and so they Hasbro, who just spent all this money on Kenner, has to go back to the drawing board in an open bidding competition to get the, to get the Star Wars rights back. And, and it ended up being a horrendous deal for them. That ended up being probably, went from having the best deal ever for a toy license to the worst. They had to pay, they had to guarantee Lucas 18 cents of every dollar as a royalty.
3: Before Vince, it was. Kenner got ninety-five cents on the dollar, and Lucas and was it Fox had to split. Yeah,
0: five cents. He nickel. got two and a half cents. Yeah,
3: yep. yeah. So, and and Lucas knew it was a shit deal, but he he had no one else to negotiate with. Nobody else was left, and so Kenner had him by the short hairs. And and once, once uh, before the prequels came out, and and it was announced, and everybody scrambled to to make the deal with him. Um this was basically his revenge. So so whatever shitty deal he had when the movies first started, uh he um he definitely got his when the prequels yeah. came out. Yeah.
0: And it was a disaster because they, they end up <laughs> <taking> <laughs> they, they the, they, so they do the deal, right? I mean they finally they, they get the business back, but they have to give up everything basically to get the deal. And then they were and then they, they, see they, the movie. And then, they then they make they they pre make, you know just an obscene amount of Phantom Menace stuff. And then they went to the screening of the movie. And you have all these houses <laughs> objectives on this documentary being like, our hearts dropped. We were like, holy shit, what did we just do? Um it
1: one dude was banking.
0: like one dude was like, I made Jar Jar Binks action figures, I made Jar Jar Binks plushies, I made Jar Jar Binks Pez dispensers. He's like, I have the I have the dubious honor of being the person who created almost everything Jar Jar Binks He's like nobody wanted it, so it ended up being like it went. For, it went from you know being the the best toy deal ever to being something that almost put Hasbro on its heels because of the the prequels.
2: Yep, yep. I remember. I think the 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 merchandising for the first Star Wars film was crucial for the film's success mm-hmm. because the from what I can remember, history uh, may be different in the books than what I remember. But this is the way I remember it. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember the the movie coming out, bada-bing, slam, everybody wanted to see it. And then toy stores being just loaded with, I think there were six, six or eight figures initially. And they couldn't keep enough of them on the shelves. People were just buying them like crazy. And um, there was a mail-in, where you could send in for a base to stand the figures on. Um, but the excitement was not only the movie. It was the toys as well. And, and I, I think it continued through Empire. But I, I, if I recall correctly, it started to die out towards Jedi.
0: You, like, you, Je- your, your memory is almost right. And uh, it is funny how the mind plays tricks on you. So they got the deal in early seventy seven eight months before the film's release, and they realized that they would not be able to have action figures on the shelves for Christmas. Yeah. So first, like you said, what they did is they flooded the market with anything they could repackage to Star Wars. So they were showing in this documentary like different things they already had. They made a Star Wars easy bake oven. They had this laser light thing which was like a a Mars Oh the laser Red light. Baron. Yeah the Red Baron. That's what it was. It already was on the shelves. They they put it in a different color plastic and they, they put a Moon Base and the Death Star picture behind it, and it became a Star Wars thing. They had all you know lunch boxes, puzzles um, board games, any yeah. board games, anything they could they could they could slap the imagery and the iconography on they did, and it worked great and then where this really is super baller status they they realized they weren't going to have the action figures on the shelves for Christmas, so they sold an empty box that was a it was the first ever early bird subscription club. Kids paid or parents paid for it was a it was a printed gift certificate with a box that had the the original figures, like you said, and it guaranteed that they would mail you the figures to your home between February and June of 78. And the fucking thing sold like gangbusters. Mm -hmm. It was every kid's wish. So basically kids all across the country got an empty box. Under their Christmas tree for Christmas and fucking loved it.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> fucking loved it. They ate it up and it worked. Yeah, the I peak... mean that is ballsy and brilliant.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, it, it is. Uh, the peak for me was the Stormtrooper on the Dewback. I, I don't think Star Wars toys ever. You love got, that, yeah. Ever got better
0: than that?
3: <laughs> love that thing. Yeah,
0: and um, oh. so it's interesting. They they apparently the most coveted figure of all time was the original Boba Fett. I know. The Boba Fett had a... Um, it was supposed to fire a missile from his back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the funny thing is, again, as urban legend, these toy historians were saying, you will still find people to this day that swear that they bought that thing. No. And the guys, that we, and these historians, are like, it's absolutely incorrect. They are misremembering or lying because it never hit the shelves. They, I guess some kid... Um, some kid – so they announced it was going to be a mail-in thing. If you got four certificates from buying other figures, you could mail in the certificates, the the, the points from your card, and you could get Boba Fett in the mail. But the problem is uh, between the launch of that campaign and when they were supposed to deliver the figure uh, – and this is before, this is before uh, Empire came out. So Boba Fett was this new mysterious figure. The only thing anyone knew about it was from that horrible holiday Christmas special that they did where he was in a little short cartoon vignette during that thing. And the reason it didn't ever come out was because uh, Mattel had those Battlestar Galactica toys at the time. And some kid died, or nearly died, I forget which, from choking on one of the missiles from that. And it made Kenner petrified to mass distribute another projectile toy. So they never—they ended up sending people a a, a Boba Fett action figure, but it didn't have the the missile launcher. Mm. And so apparently there are these... Uh, prototypes yeah. that uh, were leaked over the years, and then some were replicated uh, as hardcore, and they can go up to $20,000 to buy a prototype yeah. now in the collector's market.
2: Alright, real talk. So, Your favorite mm-hmm. Star Wars three and three quarter
0: figure. Wow. Um, I mean, back when I was a kid, probably, probably Han Solo.
3: Wow.
0: That. I just thought he was the
3: coolest. Yeah, but the one with um, but the one from Empire though, with the jacket, not the vest. Mm. Um, oh man, oh shit! Damn it! I wish I knew, Vince. Um, if it's not Boba Fett, then uh. Yeah, yeah, it's that it, it's Han from Empire. Wow, you? Hammerhead. Oh, okay. well,
2: that was dope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah. Uh, I would. Fortuna. I didn't really go deep into the three and three quarter figures. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll be totally honest. I never had Luke. I did have Vader and a bunch of stormtroopers, but mm-hmm. Luke, Han, Leia, R two, three P O could not care less. If mm. if it was a cantina. Creature, I bought it. I had to have all the creatures from the cantina. Um, That's cool. Yeah. See, I wasn't real big on the human figures. I didn't really care. Like, mm. yeah, they were great. Loved the heroes. But I didn't want them in action figure form. I wanted the aliens. Mm-hmm. So I had tons and tons of Stormtroopers and Vader and, and Boba Fett. I
3: had a bunch of IG-88s.
2: Yeah.
0: They like never that. made a Grand Moff Tarkin figure. Isn't that funny? Nope.
2: It's weird.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. I also thought like the the fabric type things, like with uh, Ben Kenobi's uh, hood and stuff. I mm-hmm. thought they I thought oh, they looked they're... weird. They looked off. Especially the
3: Jawas, because they were so yeah. The, the, they looked so much bigger than than the characters. Just it was it was weird. Yeah. 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 Nice.
0: Well, there you go. So, um, but I definitely recommend that that series. Uh, I'm sure I'll gush. Once I finish this GI Joe one for sure, and the Transformers one, I'm definitely looking forward to. You got to, and watch these the are also well done. One. I'm, I'm, what's that? You got to watch the He Man one too. No, I was just about to say, if you let me finish, even though I didn't <sighs> buy He Man figures, I am going to watch that because the these are these
3: documentaries are so well done. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm, intrigued just to just to hear. What I'm, it
3: I'm not too keen on the opening animation for the, but it, it is a uh, it's it is a really well done, and I want to see the. Um, Renee has a bunch, or she she had. She, uh, especially the um, the Bob Mackie versions of of various Barbie dolls and and his dresses and gowns from over the years. So I had yeah. a feeling we're probably going to watch the Barbie one.
0: Um, and and one last action figure thing before we move on. So I did the countdown of my favorite Joe figures. Um, I, I imposed a rule which was that if I picked a character, I had to pick a certain build, right? Because you know a lot of the Joes had multiple releases, and it was fascinating to see how many builds there are of certain characters. There have been 68 three and three quarter inch Snake Eye figures. 68, dude. Oh, that's insane. that's crazy. 60. That's crazy. I mean, that's like two a year for 30 years. That's crazy. So. It's
2: the same figure but version as 2 as
0: well. was my favorite for the record.
2: Snake Eyes is the G.I. Joe version of Wolverine.
0: Yeah, Just probably never, why I love
2: them. never goes away.
0: I yeah. why I love him. Yep. So there you have it. Walk down Memory Lane. Can't memory I Lane. Wait
2: to watch those. Nice. Yeah.
0: Now are you guys ready to talk about this book? Oh, I
2: am. I don't know about Mr. <laughs> Mr. David, but I'm sure he will. Um like I said, didn't have a lot of time to uh or opportunity to read stuff.
3: So uh, I had a book. Or even tell anybody if they wanted to tag on it, but whatever.
2: But you probably have it committed to memory. I, uh, I had this book sitting on the, the, the table for maybe about two months, ever since I got it. It is published by Dark Horse. It is the uh, Matt Wagner's Grendel Tales Omnibus Volume 1. It, it uh, contains a bunch of good stuff. But uh, most notably, it contains the six-issue series written by James Robinson. Hmm. Uh, He of Starman fame. And I don't know if you can call it fame, but he wrote Starman. Um, art, (laughs) Art and lettering by Teddy Christensen. And the color work on some of this was done by Bernie Moreau. And that, before we get into it, I think Teddy's work is a more detailed version of what Bernie brings to the table. I think their styles are very similar. They are. They are. I'd agree with that. But the name of this here series is uh, Grendel Tales, Four Devils, One Hell. And I don't know if Mr. Price is going to agree with me, but I think it is one of the all-time best Grendel Tales stories.
3: I would agree with you.
2: Okay. it's
3: Absolutely. A,
2: it's a pretty cl- complex tale. Um, Now, Dap, correct me if I'm wrong, but timeline-wise, it lands much after the reign of Orion Asante? Yes. The vampires have been pushed back into the shadows. They once ruled supreme. Now the vampires are are pushed back. Uh, they 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 no longer uh, hold a role of prominence over humanity. And the Grendels have become a peacekeeping force. Unfortunately, they are easily corrupted. Um. Graft, bribery, um on the surface they're altruistic, but as this series proves, beneath the surface there's something very, very wrong with uh Orion's dream. But uh the gist of this story is the Hunter Rose bloodline is still alive. And uh, in order to ascend to the Khan of the Grendels, uh, one would hope that the uh, person had uh, at least a taint of the Hunter Rose bloodline. Four people do. Uh, two brothers, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Is it Batiake?
3: It is. Um, let's see. I, uh, I
1: it's B
2: A T I A Q U E. So I'm just going to go Batianke.
3: Uh, I think I was in my head. I was saying it as um, Batouk, but okay. I like this. Yeah, that's good. They're um, Cajun. They're 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 the French. So yeah, but they 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 come from
2: the the French Quarter, the uh, New Orleans, but uh, when we when we meet them, they're they're not in in uh, New Orleans. They're they're running a restaurant in Milwaukee. the The one brother is is the mater d, and the 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 other one is a cook. And the the cook is is slaughtered. He he's killed, and the the brother goes to a man named Montavani, who's a private eye. And and he's like you you have to find my brother's killer and Montavani says, I don't get this at all. There are tons right. of Grendels out there. There's one on every street corner that'd take this case just out of the, the just to do their duty. Um he's like, Why would you want to hire a private investigator? And and the the brother says, Yeah, you know, um you you privatize with your cigarettes and your 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 sense of honor he goes y- you 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 have that that real sense of honor of 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 getting the job done he goes these grendels i don't know there's there's something off off with them and he's right because the the story leads to the Nolans, where you have a grendel who's in uh charge of the the crew uh, the grendel crew and its k r e w e of the uh this the, the French Quarter. And his name is Dulac. And um, he's involved, let's just say, in the murder of the brothers. Because the brothers have the, the Hunter Rose bloodline. And the uh, there's two other people who do as well. A woman who unfortunately was turned. She's a vampire. And her son. But the title implies Four Devils. That you know there must be, must be something going on. Who else is in this thing? Um, there is a British Grendel by the name of Gloria, and, and her um, desire is to preserve precious works of art for the glory of Grendel. And so she is. She's called. Uh, to find her treasure and i don't know whether i should reveal what the treasure is that let's just leave it let's just leave it vague um she's she see that's the thing about this story there are many characters on a quest for something and all of their all the all of the events all of the characters intersect at one point i think it's masterfully written um yes there is a Grendel who separates himself from the the Grendel pack. His name's Calhoun. He's a gambler, loves to gamble,
3: <laughs> which is, of course, not the way a Grendel should be.
2: No, but in his defense, he's a bit of a Robin Hood. He he takes. He's
3: he's trying to right a wrong. He, he it's a penance. He, right. He, he's done something that in the past that he shouldn't have done. And this is his way of trying to at least make amends.
2: He's trying to extinguish wrongdoing, but he comes right out and says it at one point, he goes, he says it to another major character. He said, I'm probably going to betray you somewhere down the line. Yeah. He goes, I don't want to, but I really can't control it. And, you know, don't take your eyes off me because I'm probably going to stab you in the back. And he does. Um, so calhoun is the gambler also a grendel very very good with a blade and um you have a man named alfred bixby who although he wasn't well he was he, he was um the accountant he did the books for a, a chapter of the of the grendels but he went a little bit crazy and he uh sequestered himself in the Amazon rainforest, where he could just kill things with impunity. Just walking around killing vampires, any, anything, just killing it. Um, the, the way these stories interact, Alfred Bixby had a wife named Simone, whom he loved very much. But Alfred also has a pro- had a problem. He couldn't stop gambling. He would bet on anything. And he lost Simone in a card game. And who did he lose Simone to? <laughs> Calhoun. So both of these men are um, haunted by the this, this former love. Because Calhoun loved her too. And Calhoun lost her. The way he lost her was she became a vampire. And guess who is the woman and child that have the last remaining speck of Hunter Rose blood. So they're all related, right? Um, Gloria wants to preserve art, so she's called to New Orleans, and that's where all these, these characters intersect. But there's a there's a rogue Grendel running around named Dulac, and he's working for uh, Renute. I I called Renute Dulac before, but it's Renute is the con of the New Orleans chapter of the, of the Grendels. And he wants to ascend to the, the, uh, the peak, but he can't do it because there are people with genuine Hunter Rose blood running around. So he needs to eliminate them. And, and that's where this, this whole story just spins all out of control. Um, they all profess to be doing things for noble reasons like gloria has to find that treasure but she's not above fucking a guy to get herself in (laughs) in a position of 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 access like there's this there's this one you know milksop of a character who's a virgin and he's never you know experienced well uh, the textbook definition of a virgin he's never experienced the joys of a woman and she seduces him just to get in closer to her treasure um Calhoun wants to erase all these these past wrongdoings, so he's he's chasing this this redemption that he never gets um Alfred Bixby is looking for the grail the actual well, he's, he's looking for the grail, and he's, he's absolutely insane because he flip-flops back and forth between Alfred Bixby and this character who thinks he's a knight in the service of Charlemagne. So <laughs> there's a Fat Tuesday th- parade going on in uh, New Orleans, and he thinks all of the people there in costume are trolls. So he just starts killing people willy-nilly. And then that's when um, the shit really hits the fan. But I'm I, I'm I'm amazed at the complexity of the story. Montavani, um, something happened to him and he lost a hand. And they replaced his hand with. Uh, he went for the upscale model. They replaced his hand. Well, with because
3: hand. his his body wouldn't uh, it rejected the plastic
2: right so his hand had to be made out of something more more of of st- uh, stronger material so they they gave him a silver uh, a silver hand and what what is silver very effective against vampires vampires it's it's just uh, it's so dense and the 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 characterizations are amazing like you want to hate montavani like he's your typical gumshoe doesn't give a shit about his appearance. He's he's overweight and drinks and smokes a lot. But he's the one person in the story that has, I think, the mo- he's the most honorable person in the in the story. Like he never quits chasing that resolution. He he doesn't have any money. Nobody's going to hire a private detective in these times. With all the Grendels doing it for free. But he 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 gets himself in the hole monetarily wise. Just to fly down to Louisiana to chase the resolution of the story, like he puts himself out.
3: See, I didn't. I because of of my attraction to like the old um, the old Bogart movies, and uh, they're just. I didn't. I didn't dislike Joseph from the start. He's he is a little. He might not be polished, but I did think that um, I didn't I didn't dislike him. I didn't I, I, I didn't scoff when he showed up. I mean, he's he's pretty much the first guy you meet. So he's he's the first character in the story. Um, but I think I really loved him in the second issue where he he's talking about, you know, when you want to get to know your way around. There's one place to go. And he starts talking about the library as if it's a woman. And I was like, that's, that is probably, that is fantastic for Robinson. I thought that was fantastic. And uh, the, my only quibble with the story is the way Teddy wants to draw smoke. Oh, I love it. It looks like sperm floating in the air. It looks like it, it looks like pieces of tissue floating around. It looks like anything but smoke. And and I didn't know if if, if Mont- I, I didn't know if it was cold, if that was supposed to be his breath. I don't know if he was smoking. I don't know what the hell was going on in that hotel room, but I was just like, I, I did those things and I keep finding, you know, I went back earlier in the series and in, in the issue, in, in the in the story and, and you know, as he's walking out of his his office, you know, he's smoking and, and so it's it's present, you know, early on. It's not like was just decided that I'm just gonna draw smoke like this for no reason. It was just it, it's always been there, but it was just it was it was more of a I just it annoyed me more than anything else, but it was a um but it is absolutely one of one of my favorite uh non Wagner written Grendel stories and and the uh it's the connection to because I when I think I first came across the when I first announced the Grendel tales, I, I thought they were just going to, I, I knew they weren't written by Matt. They were tales written by, created by other people, um, that Matt just oversee. But I didn't think, um, I didn't think they were going to be so tied into the 60 issues that came before. And, um, no, but they're any, tight. Yeah, any, any, um, any uh, misconceptions I may have had, uh, definitely get get tossed aside because it's not like, oh, you know, these are Grendels and and based on you know urban legends and myths and and this is they they read something once or, or there's there's folklore and that's what they did. There's no this exists in these at least this series exists in the same. Same universe, and, and uh, we, um, it's, it's quite apparent as, as, the, as the six issues meet their conclusion, especially in the, uh, in the last issue. But uh, this, I, I always love to look, I, I can always picture panels. When I think of Grendel Tales, this is usually the series, the story I think of when, when I think of Grendel Tales. Yeah,
2: me too, me too. And, and the color choices are just phenomenal. I think there's there's a lot of instances where characters are underlit with a complementary color. Like the, the the one page I always focus on is um, when um, Alfred Bixby wanders out of the uh, the rainforest and he's picked up by the guy with the with the trucker hat, the fat guy with the John Lennon glasses. yeah. It, yeah. It, it's primarily green or blue green, but he's underlit by red reddish orange. It's just a really smart pairing. Yeah of, of colors.
3: Yeah, from his, yeah, the lights from the dashboard. Yeah.
2: And did you notice the fat dude with the Lennon glasses that picks up Bixby is one of the ones that go down to the cabin to get Simone and the kid? Yes. When when the yeah. like that is just it's it it's a little thing. It's all connected. Yeah, that that, you know, in the the grand scheme of things it's just like a, oh so he was working for Renute. Uh But it's, it's it's neat. So it also adds other, uh, you know, additional wrinkles to the story, too. It's almost as if Renute was planning his own downfall by bringing <laughs> in Alfred Bixby. You know, whether he ordered it or not, the fat guy worked for him. So... He, in a sense, engineered his own downfall.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's. I think it's an amazing story, Jason. If it, it may not mean a whole lot to you because I don't know how much Grendel you've read, mm-hmm. but it's just a phenomenal freaking story. There's voodoo yeah, involved I mean, in it, and
0: I am oh, sorry. Uh, I am woefully underrepresented, as you know, in my my Grendel lore, and uh, I'm sure. It, a, a little piece of of David's heartbreaks every time I acknowledge that, but uh yeah. Wagner's I think smart. I own pretty much i think I own pretty much most if not all of it at this point oh, you
2: gotta read it,
0: uh no, I've read a bunch of it, but I haven't read that I, but i'm I definitely it's probably the last Grendel I read was the when we read all the Grendel Batman stuff right, um, right. but yeah, so it's it's been a minute it's amazing
2: Grendel's so many different things mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a character in in hunter rose it's a it's a religion um Mm -hmm. it's a peacekeeping force it's a it's a uh it's a myth and you know it's 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 not oh like you say oh who's this grendel well it's not this grendel it's 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 grendel it's it's many many different things depending on the time frame and uh, I think that's just smart for, for it to go from a, 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 a single individual to, like, uh, over the period of time, to a religion. It's it's a religion at the end. And it, it even becomes mm-hmm. an infection and a drug at one point. So it's just... Uh, I, I never cease to get mucho enjoyment out of... Even the worst Grendel stories I've read, and I, I can't even name the worst ones. But obviously, if... We're we're talking artistic creation. There's very good, and there's, you know, right. it, it spans the 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 spectrum. Even the less successful ones are still so enjoyable to me, just because mm-hmm. the, the the premise is so rich. Sure. Yeah. But I eventually want to get through this this entire volume. DAP. It contains um, Devil Worship. I believe that's from Grendel, number forty, I think. Um, then it's four devils, one hell devil's hammer devil in our midst and devils and deaths.
3: Well, you tell me which one you want to read next and I'll have, I'll pull it out of the box. Well, let's just, cause I, I, I have my, I have my issues here, so I don't have the omnibus.
2: Yeah, devil's hammer. Mm, I liked it, but it's not the most visually arresting one. Let's go for the Paul Grist one. Devil in our midst. That, that okay. that's a great story. We should just do a a sweep and just read it from the beginning to the end. And I think when you do that, you got to read the Grendel tales with it. That's bold. That is bold. That's a lot of reading. That's bold. I mean, twenty eighteen. It it could be a, a a an ongoing project. It could. Yeah. We'll skip that Hunter Rose stuff. We'll get
3: to the good stuff.
2: The are adorable.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: it's funny how uh, how you forgot that when you were talking about the not so good Grendel stuff. But whatever.
2: Oh no, I like the Hunter Rose stuff. He's just not my favorite. <laughs> he's not. I mean,
1: he's, 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 I he's so arrogant. Good. He's like mm-hmm.
0: Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to. Uh, we got we got other obligations to the patrons, so we gotta we gotta wrap this up. What? Yes, sir.
2: All right, let me write this down. Grendel Tales. Um, All right, people. Hey, we thank you for being here with us on this somewhat truncated episode. Damn, I get the Adobe thing all the time popping up on my laptop. Um, We hope you will come back next time. Uh, Remember, the only place to go for inexpensive comics is dcbs discount comic book service they will get you what you want at a fraction of the price the other people are paying you'll be too cool for school if you go to dcbservice.com in the meantime um in your travels i should say Wow, well, i got a whole bunch of nothing <laughs> i do um oh uh read hack slash resurrection. I talked about the first issue. I read the second issue. It is a whole bunch of fun. Um like I said Cassie gets uh takes an offer to be a camp counselor in a in a camp designed to serve children who have been in uh bloodthirsty uh situations or have been uh tainted by the supernatural. And so she's goes down to this camp and it just so happens that the the camp counselor's daughter is a gorgeous blonde and cassie has to restrain herself because cassie likes the women's and uh yeah she she does and that uh that premise with with the doctor that was using the reanimating fluid to revive the zombies and send them cassie's way remember I, i talked about that well at the end of issue two there's a body on his slab that will make uh your eyebrows raise. Guess who it is?
0: Vlad. Yep. Nice. Yeah. I don't even read the book and I guessed it.
2: So this well it's not it's not a stretch by. <laughs> wow. The yeah, uh, I don't have a question player. So the 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 status quo may be restored in the in the hack clash. But no, I'm loving it. It's uh the uh, I'm very the, glad
1: to
0: hear
2: that. The the, the daughter is <laughs> is bent over reaching for something yeah, and uh Cassie's looking at her she's thinking, Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it's cute. It's 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 funny. And I like the fact that Cassie relies on a bat because she says bats don't need to be reloaded. They won't run out of bullets. True. And I a nice spiked bat can serve you well. But uh she
0: in Negan or a match made in heaven.
2: She's the original Negan.
0: That's true. Yep.
3: There you, there you know. go.
0: The Pizzle.
3: Hackslash. hack slash from oh, Image. Oh, by the way, from Image. Yep. Um. Man, I really ain't got nothing in your travels. That's what, th- that's what I said, right? What? It's it's it was rough this. Yeah, week. it is. Yeah. Um. You know, here you go, because because I I actually fired this up in the um. In the comicsology app, I just didn't get very far into it. Um, basically, I was still just staring at the cover, but this is uh written by Mr. Donnie Cates and it is illustrated by Jeff Shaw with uh Antonio Fabella as your color artist. This is uh, as of the 13th issue, Thanos, uh, and it is um. The title of the story is Thanos Wins Part 1. I think these... I, I enjoyed the hell out of these two creators of God Country. So, um, I want to see what they do with the Matt Titan. And since Jeff did such a great thing with it uh, when the title started uh, for those 12 issues, um, I want to see what the new creative team does, and I like this creative team. So, this is not In Your Travels that uh, I can't to speak on, so um, come along for the ride, basically.
2: I'm surprised they didn't stop at issue 12 and renumber it.
3: That may have gone against the whole legacy aspect of it, because they're trying to Trigger, continue Trigger trying the to renumbering.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah, you're good right.
0: Point. You're right. Good point. Um, good call. I love man. my family dearly. Thanks, man. What's that? That's
3: good. That's yeah, good. That's it's good. good to love your family.
0: No, that's good. Um, but I think that they are often not great at geek gift giving because they're intimidated by the fact that, let's be honest, I buy myself a lot of geeky things. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: so they never really feel either they don't know what to get or they feel as though it would be lost in the piles of other stuff that I get on my own. But to their credit this year for Christmas and my birthday, they stepped up their game. <laughs> They uh, actually got me a bunch of cool comics and uh, geeky things, uh, which which was a a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, One of the things that they got me, I have already read, and that is by um, Black Mask Studios. uh, Written by Matthew Rosenberg with uh, art by Tyler Boss and letters by Thomas Maurer, and that is four kids walk into a bank. Hmm. It was a five-issue miniseries. I, I got the collected edition. Fred, uh, I I will tell you that um, I wish I could have taken credit for this, but I can't. So I will credit the person who actually said it first, which was Nerdist, and they said it's a mashup of Wes Anderson and Reservoir Dogs that you never knew you needed until now. And I <laughs> I, I I bring that up because I couldn't I couldn't have given you a better elevator pitch if I tried. It is a story of a young girl and her nerdy friends who are all D&D heads together. And her dad is down and out on his luck. They're going to lose their home. He hasn't held a job. And uh, he is confronted by some 'er ne'er-do-wells. Turns out that uh, said 'er ne'er-do-wells are bank robbers. And he has a past with them. So Paige, the daughter, decides to – she doesn't want her dad to go to jail for robbing a bank and screwing it up. So she and her friends decide to rob the bank themselves. And it is this strange, it's a fascinatingly toned book because it doesn't play for laughs. It's not purely serious. And that's why I think Wes Anderson is such a great evocation because there is a dark humor to it, but it's a fairly tragic set of circumstances. So, it's it 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 almost feels surreal, but not in a. I mean, I guess a lot of comics are surreal, but but it 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 feels as though you're you're kind of looking at a an Earth that's that's pretty much like ours. It's like ninety eight percent like ours, but it's just a bit out of phase. It's just a bit. It's like another. It's like the next dimension over in a parallel dimension of infinite dimensions, and uh, I I just I loved it. I thought it was incredibly well paced uh, I can't speak to how the individual issues read but uh, I read this in one sitting and it uh, it is a credit to this team of of long of lifelong buddies who did this book together and I can see why they're all on the up and up now uh, doing other stuff it uh, you know this is this is this is considered Rosenberg and Tyler's uh, Matthew and Tyler's um, you know we knew them when kind of book right like kind of like with Jason Aaron on the other side or or Nightly News for Hickman, this is their... This is that book for them. And um, I think it's definitely a book that everybody should read. I think it's... Uh, you know, full disclosure, I don't think it, it it raised to the level of something that will win an 11 a for me. But I certainly think it would be on a short list if we... We don't do this, but if we did, like, a... You know, a, a semi-final round for some of our key categories, th- this would probably... <laughs> Factor into to that be in my top five kind of thing for the year um, but not necessarily the winner so very much recommend it four kids walking to a bank by black Mask Studios and I have to say uh, you know stay tuned for black mask I, I think we didn't we haven't talked about them all that much but the things they're doing at least the, the few that I have read thus far are definitely worth your attention. Between this and Space Riders, and we can never go home. I just I think they're doing some very interesting things, and it's uh, it's someone we should pay attention to in the coming years. The Dregs. The dr- oh I forgot yeah, the yeah. Dregs was Black Mirror. I thought that that forgot that as well. Yes. So yeah. Yep, absolutely.
2: They do a lot of good stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. And I like how Exit. Like it so. Yeah. The um, and then they have uh, it is the artist on the Dregs who we met at New York Comic-Con, his, his book is coming out from Black Mask as well, right? Mm-hmm. Next year? It's mm-hmm. ordered. Yeah. Nice. Yep.
2: Fun fact. It as if n- anyone cared. My least favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? Reservoir Dogs? Reservoir Dogs.
0: Yep. Interesting. Wow.
3: That's my
1: favorite. That, I,
2: that's interesting. I, I think the, the whole... Um Michael Madsen stuck in the middle with you scene is so freaking contrived. It's so you don't
0: but see I, I can't not that we're gonna get to a terror, maybe we can carry this over to the video chat. Yeah. I can't but I but but it was also his first film, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, sure. I just find I find it ho- horribly boring.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh I've d i have I definitely find it boring. I've probably seen it twenty times. Yeah. It's horribly racist.
2: Yeah, well, it's I mean it has a real solid cast too. It's just that I don't know. Uh,
0: I mean Michael Madison's a horrible human being. Yeah. More than I mean, oh, hard, wait, mean more real life
3: or life? Oh yeah. More uh, than more. Tom Sizemore?
0: Uh yeah, I think worse than Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's
0: a he's an abuser. Yep.
2: But you stick him in a role like that and he's perfect for it,
0: right? Yeah. I mean madison has been arrested multiple times for child abuse, so just just for the record. Oh, lovely. Yeah,
2: Lo- right <laughs> lovely. Right. Yeah. And Lawrence Tierney, come on, that's gold. Oh, but,
3: great! Yeah, and I, I Penn. just I mean, you know, and and I love Tim Roth. And then Harvey, Ke- you're not going to die. You're not... So they're just driving down so they can. Oh, no, it was and it was the way it ends. The, the whole off camera scene. It, it's just it's it is. It's definitely something for. 88, 90 minutes, or whatever, I can just kind of tune everything else out and just, yeah, stay tuned to that. It's one of it's one of the few. It's it's one of Quinn's only movies I can do that with. But it, there there aren't a lot of movies where I can just kind of sit down and forget about everything else while while I I'm not concerned about other things going on in my life or the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there it's was a weird video. Stuff. Oh, I'm sorry, I we'd that's okay. <laughs>
0: There was a YouTube video uh, made probably two years ago, so it doesn't have Hateful Eight. or uh, um, It doesn't have Hateful Eight for sure, but of, of all the Tarantino movies, it was a mashup of all the times that uh, someone said fuck.
1: Wow, and, how long uh, is that?
0: It's 26 minutes and 37 seconds. <laughs> wow. So through 2015, so it doesn't include the last two films, I guess, so it doesn't include this or um, what was the one before this? Uh, the slavery one. Um Django. Oh, Django Django, yeah. Django, Django. so it doesn't include this or Django, so it's probably past fifteen hundred at this point but but this video it's thirteen hundred seventy one fucks
1: hmm. that's
0: a lot damn. available damn. on YouTube now,
2: cool, oh, <laughs> did you guys see the bad lip reading for stranger things? No, no, you will shit your pants oh, right. you right. will i uh, I guarantee it, you'll shit your pants laughing. It is so damn funny.
0: Nice,
2: super freak! It's great. You gotta
0: see it. That's awesome. All right. All right. Well, we love you all so much. We, we will do, see you in uh, we two do. days.
2: Let's let's ease out. We can't just pull out and leave them wanting.
1: <laughs> sort of like a
2: thank,
0: no. Let's go stop. Like trying to rip the condom off and go for the money shot. <laughs> no,
2: thank you for being here with us, brothers and sisters. We appreciate it so much. We implore you to come back next episode because it will be our patron supported or sponsored. Patron-sponsored book of the month episode.
0: We might have some other books to talk about. Too.
3: Sponsored and no, I think we're going to go, yeah, we'll we'll go very long. Uh, no, I think hey, we we'll probably have some, time for some other and, books. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's sponsored and and picked. So yeah,
2: that, thank yeah, you for that. The Meta Barons. is a genius. In the meantime, say good night. Fast and loose. David
3: Ooh was fast. Good night. David
2: on the money as usual. Come back, people. We love you. Say bye. Did it.
3: Say it again. jabra You like it? Burra. Right. The
1: lonely is my old friend. Step on. Your hand. so glad that you're here again for one more time, that your man is wrong with mine, and the streets still unseen, we'll find somehow, no time has passed. Yeah!